BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services and in partnership with Beast OCR. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related, running, endurance, conditioning, rucking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here, and on this very special episode, I've got with me Tina Johnson. Um, Tina, kind of explain everyone who you are and why we're talking. Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for the honor of uh, getting to speak with you today. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I am Dustin Johnson's mom. Uh, Dustin is the American uh, that is attempting to run all the way around the world. Um, he will be the very first American. Uh, to ever accomplish this, and he will also be the youngest in the world. Um, wow. And Dustin's mission is to help bring awareness uh, to our active military and our veteran suicide epidemic that we're in right now. Um, yeah. this, this journey will take him 16,300 miles. Uh, it's across four continents, and um, he started the journey uh, May 1st of this year. Wow. How, how, far is it, how far is he into the journey? Uh, he started in Missouri uh, on mm-hmm. May 1st, and so he has ran across uh, Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, um, and he mm-hmm. flew out of South Carolina at Myrtle Beach on June 8th, uh, which took okay. him to Lima, Peru. So he has ran all the way across Peru, all the way across Chile and Argentina. So he has finished his South America route. Uh, and he has just started. He's a few days into his journey over in Europe right now. He's uh, in Portugal. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. so what started him on this journey? I mean, it's it's a it's an epidemic right now, and it's one that everyone's talking about. Um, you see it on Facebook all the time talking about, you know, 22 a day. Uh, veterans or active military that uh, fall victim to suicide. Um, what what made him decide this was his journey and this is what he was going to do? Um, back, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, Dustin had gotten out of the Navy. Uh, he had served four years and he was a plane captain. And he was planning to get married, Um, and they didn't want to be in the Navy uh, whenever he got married. Uh, Whenever Mm -hmm. he came back from deployment, um, he found out a few things had happened, and the marriage didn't happen. Uh, So that was probably the first uh, part of the depression that had happened for him. There had been several things happen while he was in the Navy that probably kind of started it. Um, And then he uh, had moved back to Missouri. Uh, You know, he had gotten a job. He had tried to start his life. uh, But 
part of that is he had changed tremendously, but everybody else here had all kind of stayed the same. Uh, so he felt he didn't fit in. Uh, there wasn't like a, you know, anything to help with that transition. And yeah. um, he had started a job. He hated it. He quit. He started another job. He hated it. He quit. There wasn't anything giving him um, that satisfaction like the Navy was. Um, mm -hmm. In the fall, he had moved uh, to Benton, Missouri, which my husband and I had relocated here as well. And um, so he decided he was going to, okay, this was a fresh start. You know, this was what he was wanting yeah. to do. And uh, my mother had needed some help, and so we were moving back here, you know, to help her. So he decided he was going to turn this old garage into his tiny home. Uh, he invested everything he had in him, <laughs> physically, monetarily, everything, into turning this into, like, his little dream house, uh, yeah. which he did. He had found a job. He had started uh, rebuilding his life again. Um, well, in January of this year, uh, he had gotten everything moved into his new tiny home. He had gotten everything fixed. Uh, it was beautiful. He had built a little library, and it caught fire in the middle of the night. And he oh. lost everything. Uh, so he lost his home. He lost you know, all of his Navy stuff, his books, his clothes, all of his running equipment, um, an avid runner. Uh, he does, he's one of those crazy ultra runner people. Um, mm -hmm. And so he had lost everything, all of his equipment. Um, and then that triggered that anxiety and depression even more so. Um, by the end of February, he had tried to take his life. Uh, he just didn't fit in anywhere. He wasn't comfortable in his own skin. And he just, the depression and everything, he just couldn't go on. And he didn't want to. Yeah. Um, and that was unsuccessful. Thank God. And uh, he went through, yes, he went through uh, the recovery of building um, physically, mentally back up and going again. And by the end of March, he had decided this dream of running around the world that he had dreamed since he was in high school because he's always been an avid runner. Um, mm -hmm. He found out again there had never been an American to accomplish this, uh, and he was going to be the one. Uh, this was what he, you know, set out to do, and this is what he wanted to do. Um, and, you know, you kind of laugh because it sounds crazy. And But at the end of March, he had bought his ticket uh, from Myrtle Beach to Lima, Peru, so we knew it was for real. Like, okay, he really is going to attempt this. He really is going to do this. Um, and by April, you know, we were trying to spread the word. We were trying to do fundraisers. 
Um, and there really wasn't anyone out there that wanted to listen, uh, that wanted to get on board, um, not even locally. Uh, there was, there's one gentleman, his name is Adam King. Uh, he works for KFES 12 in Cape Girardeau. Uh, they're about the same age. And he mm -hmm. took interest in the story, and he created the story for him. Um, Dustin set that date for May 1st uh, to leave out on his journey. Uh, there was literally maybe 10 people here. <laughs> that was including, you oh, know, wow. like his brothers, his nieces, his grandmother, his dad, myself. Um, wasn't the send-off we were hoping for. Uh, but nevertheless, it happened. Um, and he took off. Um, the first full week of his journey, uh, it rained. He ran through tornado warnings were going off. Um, but he just kept going. Um, one thing I didn't tell you is he pushes all of his equipment on a running jogger. So he has... No. His tent, he has his sleeping bag, he has his clothes, he has all of his equipment. Everything is in this jogger. Uh, so a little funny things that happened were, like, in Kentucky, he had a highway state patrol officer pull him over because they had gotten complaints because it was pouring down rain and they thought he was pushing a child. And so they had no. to do a well check to make sure there wasn't a child in there. Um, just, you know, a few things like that were happening. Um, he was finding city parks that he was camping in, um, you know, kind of living off of a very small budget at that time of like 3 to yeah. $4 a day. Not wow. a meal, a day. So he was eating lots of rice, you know, drinking lots of water, um, just, you know, camping. So that wasn't costing anything. And then um, no. a few people were picking up on the story and, you know, they started helping here and there, you know, maybe uh, helping purchase a hotel room for him, you know, to stay in because that was also very nice. You know, it gave him you know, a shower, a nice warm bed, all those things we take for granted on a daily basis. Yeah. Hmm. Um, we, yeah, yeah, we had um, some really good people uh, get interested. Uh, so he had ran across Kentucky. He had ran across Tennessee. Uh, and in Tennessee, there were a couple of VFWs that had gotten involved to where they would allow him to camp, like, on their property. Um, nice. One night, there was actually a gentleman with the VFW who was like, nope, you're not camping. You know, come to my house. We have an extra bedroom. Um, so that was very nice. Um, and then um, there's a Air Force veteran in Alabama. Um, his name is Nick uh, Vivian. He took Dustin in and uh, let him stay in his home and fed him and gave him a hot meal, hot shower, and um, but for the most part, all along that journey, you know, he was just camping outside. Uh, he did come a lot to of a camping town. Outside. It was. And um, so it, 
was, you know, May, uh, so springtime in Missouri can be cold. It can be wet. Yeah. There's been times that we've had snow, um, but it was gradually starting to get warmer as he got towards Alabama and Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, so that was nice. He had uh, a couple people. Yeah. Yeah. A couple people uh, came down to run with him. Uh, there's another ultra runner. Her name is Grace Hawkins. Uh, she came and, and ran a couple days with him. And um, then there was a, a guy from South Carolina. His name is Jay Baker. Uh, he's actually a cyclist, but he is also an avid runner. And and he came down for a day and, and ran with him. Uh, lots of good people That's out awesome. there. Yeah. There are. Yeah. And, I mean, we'll make sure to um... – any links that you have, make sure that me and Don have them so we can, you know, forward them on so anyone that wants to help out or any way they, they can. So, wow. He, um, he came across the situation that happened in Georgia. Where mm -hmm. I was kind of taking care of the logistics part of it here at home. So I would, like, call ahead, yeah. you know, let the highway patrol know that he was coming, you know, making sure the road that we were on was okay for him to be on. And there mm -hmm. was a, a town in Georgia was like, no, he cannot stay here. You know, we were trying to find a park for him to camp at. And they were like, no, he has to move on. We don't want him to stop at the Quick Mart. We don't want him to stop nothing. We want him to just move on and keep on. So, of course, you know, that didn't make mom very happy. <laughs> um, no, no, no. So I called the county uh, that he was in. And fortunately, we came across uh, a deputy that, uh, was passionate about what Dustin was doing uh, for the veterans and everything. And he found a park uh, that Dustin could camp in. And at that point, Dustin had already broken, like, three of his top rules, like no running after dark, you know, just, yeah. you know, a certain highway he couldn't get on and all of that. Well, this deputy said, you know, come to this park. And it was like four more miles from where Dustin was already at. And he had already done like 35 that day. And it was totally dark, totally pitch black. And the gentleman says, well, now in the morning, since you weren't able to stop to get any drinks, I'll bring you out a couple Gatorade before you get going. And Dustin was like, you know, I get up really early. And he was like, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'm going to bring some drinks out for you. And uh, Dustin, the next morning, he was in his tent, and he heard, you know, traffic. He heard things going on. He wasn't quite sure what was going on. Uh, mm -hmm. But whenever he got up and looked out his tent, this deputy had gotten every deputy that works for the county and had all, like, the volunteer fire department, the highway state patrol, and every one of them had a Gatorade in their hand. And awesome. that was, I know, I almost can't tell that without crying. Um, I'm tearing up. <laughs> but Dustin was like, well, this oh. is great, but I can't fit all this on my cart. 
And the highway patrol was like, well, don't worry about it because we're going to give you a police escort the rest of your journey through Georgia. And that was like a turning point. You know how they say bad news travels better than good news. Uh, We even had like the sheriff called and was like, you've got to do something with your Facebook page because our dispatch can't keep track of all the telephone calls that are coming in. People are complaining because we didn't allow him to stop in the city. You know, let them know that that wasn't our fault. It's like, okay, but it really was. <laughs> but anyway, it amazes me. I mean, did they, did they say why they didn't want him to stop in their, their city? I mean, it's just like, why wouldn't you? I, I mean, really, you know, to look at him, um, I think people automatically maybe just thought he was a homeless person. Um, And instead of looking at the good, you know, I just think they were looking at the negative. They didn't want someone in their city camping uh, versus them just answering the dispatch call saying, yeah, this gentleman is running around the world to bring awareness for military and veteran suicide. You know, this is what we're doing to support him while he's going through our city. You know, exactly. I mean, that's, that's my thought was, is when it, as a city, I think I would use that as a, a platform, honestly, to be like, Hey, everyone, just so you know, this gentleman's going to be in town. And I would just let everyone know, hey, place it on their Facebook page. This gentleman's going to be in town. He's running through to bring, you know, awareness to veteran suicide. And it's a huge thing that I, I just – it baffles me to think that a town would be like, no, yeah, we don't want that. Right, right. I I was shocked. Uh, but with that, so much good came from it. So it kind of – you know, it was a – a turning point for Dustin where then the media had kind of gotten involved, which he had never had that. Um, Newspapers were getting involved and he didn't have that. So with that being a negative thing, so many positive things came from it. Um, So we're almost thankful in an odd kind of way uh, that it did happen. Yeah. Yeah, Um, it's one of those. Yeah. So then, sometimes uh, a bad thing can be a blessing. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, my sister lives in Lancaster, South Carolina, and so he had went from Georgia to South Carolina uh, to her mm-hmm. house, and uh, then he went from Lancaster on over to Myrtle Beach, and. Um, you know, he had to run to the ocean. Uh, there's like lots of little rules, uh, yeah. running association. You don't have to be from, uh, you know, like ocean to ocean and that type of thing. So, so he ran to the ocean in uh, South Carolina. So that part of his journey was 930 miles. Um, mm-hmm. So he got that out of the way. And then he went to uh, Lima, Peru on June 8th. And uh, one thing, whenever he flew out of South Carolina, uh, it wasn't their fault, but 
Rue did not allow him to take his gear, his equipment with him. Uh, he wasn't able to fly into the country with it. So he had he had his rain cart, like we begged them at the airport. They were like, no, we can't. It's like, well, he will leave all this other to take his running cart. Um, and they're like, well, it doesn't matter because he can't take all that other anyway. So he was allowed to take one carry-on bag and his running cart, and that was it. Um, so when oh, wow. he got to Lima, yes, he scrambled and he did find a sleeping bag. He wasn't able to find a tent uh, and a lot of the gear that he needed, but he didn't want to waste time and he wanted to get running and get on the road. Uh, so he took off uh, basically his first about three weeks in Peru. He didn't even have a tent. All he was doing was oh, sleeping. Wow. Is in a sleeping bag. Yeah, but fortunately, it wasn't super cold there, and it doesn't rain a lot there. Um, yeah. So it was it was pretty nice. Uh, so um, we had ordered a bunch of equipment to um, arrive in Arequipa, and uh, mm -hmm. he ended up waiting like two and a half weeks on his gear to get to him. Um, oh wow. Yeah, there was like a lot of lot of issues, you know, getting stuff into the country. Uh, but he did receive two of his three packages, but he never did get that third one. Um, so the journey in Peru, it was uh, eight hundred and forty nine miles. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then he took off uh, across Chile. Um, his Chile journey was 672 miles, and uh, he actually uh, went across the mountains, uh, the Andes Mountains. Um, um, oh, I can't remember how he says that. I never say any of those uh, Spanish words correctly, but... Um, yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't roll my R's like I should. Um, yeah. But yeah, he crossed the Andes Mountain. Uh, that was over Labor Day weekend, and uh, it took him like three days. He reached uh, like eighteen thousand, a little over eighteen thousand elevation. And wow. uh, yeah, and lots of lots of scary stories, lots of scary things happened during that time. Um, you know, the elevation gain itself. You know, is is scary. Um, you know, yeah. there was it was it was sub zero temperatures during that time. Uh, he, there was one night that he had gotten a nosebleed, and he never could feel the like he could feel his nose bleeding, but whenever he mm -hmm. went to see if it was bleeding, like wipe his nose, it was so cold that his blood had froze. So it was like all kind of frozen into his mustache. Oh wow! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, so so that was he, chilly. So that yeah, was what chilly. Was Whenever he went over uh, the mountains, he entered into Argentina, uh, mm -hmm. and then he went from uh, the mountains 
down to Cordoba, uh, from Cordoba down to Bay Blanca, and then back up to Buenos Aires. And um, the roads, the passages, the roads and everything in Argentina are brutal. They're, the cactuses and everything were just brutal. Um, the first 100 miles of Argentina, he had 17 flats. And he was just to the point where, oh, my gosh, wow. I need a crew. Because this whole time he's doing it by himself. Mm-hmm. And I actually got lucky enough. Uh, there was a gentleman uh, from Delaware uh, that got involved. And he paid for my plane ticket to go help Dustin in Argentina. So oh, wow. I actually spent months, about five weeks in Argentina with him, um, being his crew, so he wouldn't have to worry about pushing that crazy cart anymore. Oh, wow. Um, so did you follow him in a yeah. car, or how did you? Yeah, I had rented a car, and whenever, like, he would you know, maybe run, you know, three or four miles, and I would just go up. And he would run up to me, and then I would just mm. travel up three or four miles again, and he would run up to me. Um, but I was able to keep all the supplies in the trunk, so he could just, you know, pop the trunk open, get what he needed. Um, he needed it. He needed he needed fluids. He needed he just needed some support. Um, yeah, I was. I had never been out of the country before. Ever. <laughs> um, except to like a couple cruises down to Mexico, so I don't think that really counts. <laughs> but yeah, the the culture, uh, the people, uh, for the most part, we still have a pretty amazing world. Uh, the yeah. people were very good to him. Um, you know, I was very scared because of what the media says about South America. Uh, but I never felt that down there. I was always on guard, but nothing ever happened. Um, yeah. The people are just like us. You know, they're just working. They're making a living. They're, you know, just doing their thing just like we are. And um, the people down there were very good to me, um, as well good. as Dustin. Yeah, Argentina um, was 17,000, 1,700, I'm sorry. 1,708 miles. Uh, wow. So once he, once he finished uh, South America, he was at just a little over 4,200 miles. So it's a lot of running. 4,200, yeah. Yeah, 4,200 of the 16,000 miles. And, um, yeah, he... He uh, flew into Lisbon, Portugal, and uh, he actually had a family to pick him up at the airport to take him to his hotel, and um, he, you know, got a little late start because he was waiting for a cart uh, to get to him there. So there was like a two-day delay. Um, But unfortunately, ever since he's been over in Portugal, since he's been running, it's been raining again, <laughs> so uh, even the last few days, you know, it's been all rainy and everything. But 
He's still loving it. I mean, he's still. Yeah. He's he's healing. So that's where he is now. He is. Yes. Right. Uh, he's about a day away from Spain. He's uh, wow. He's headed to Madrid. I guess is the the big city uh, that most people would know where that's located. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, you know, we have a lot of military bases and everything over in Europe. Uh, So he is, he has a lot of great support systems coming his way uh, with all the little military bases. Um, There is no family like a military family. And he is getting greeted with open arms uh, all along the way over there right now. That's awesome. That yes. is amazing. Yes. And I've heard that about military family. Unfortunately, I was a person who was never I, – I signed up for the military, but because of a, a medical issue, I I did not go. So um, – but I've heard from a lot of people. My dad is, is uh, retired Navy, but, I mean – he was in Korea, so it was that a while ago. But yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's amazing him, what he's doing. Tell him thank you for his service. Uh, oh, I will. That he's a uh, he's one of less than one percent. You know, sign up to do this. Yeah. Sign up to give their life for our country. Uh, less than one yeah. percent. So. Yeah. And then they they very special man. They come back different. Yeah, they come back different. I mean the the I mean military changes people, and I you know it's like what he's what Dustin's running to 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 bring awareness to is I mean like I said earlier twenty two twenty two a day, um, right? And that's that's too many. I mean I'm on me personally. I'm a I'm a safety professional in construction. That's my my day job, and I'm on a. a advisory committee, a suicide prevention and construction advisory committee in Washington state. And that's one of the big things that we've been pushing here. A lot of people is, you know, not just veterans, but also construction, but most, a lot of construction guys really are ex-military, you know, and trying to help them, you know, not fall victim to suicide. And I've, I actually go and I do give, you know, talks at conferences of how to try and prevent suicide in construction. So what I do is a minuscule piece to what, I mean, what Dustin's doing. Dustin is just, I mean, getting out there and trying to, you know, running around the world, you know, to say, hey, look what I'm doing and this is why. I mean, it's right. amazing. Right. So, well, yeah. I hope that I can give you some information that can help you uh, – help the people that you're working with. Um, We were lucky enough right before, literally the day before Dustin left Myrtle Beach, um, we were able to talk with the CEO uh, with the, it's a nonprofit organization called Stop Soldier Suicide. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is the program that Dustin is partnered with. Um, this yeah. is his nonprofit pick. Um, Stop Soldier Suicide was founded by three U.S. Army veterans um, back in 2010. 
and each of them Mm -hmm. had soldiers and new veterans, you know, that were struggling uh, with PTSD, you know, with, you know, depression and anxiety. And they had people under them while they were in the service that did commit suicide. Um, The three founders actually uh, organized this organization in their living rooms. Uh, and it wow. has grown into a thriving nonprofit organization. Um, but they have a key to help with this epidemic. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is pretty clear. Uh, the system that's in place just isn't working. Uh, and yeah. getting help isn't easy. And so what they've tried to do is they have came up with a way to get through this maze of this complicated, you know, navigating this complicated system um, that's out there. And so they have developed this resource center, um, and the resource center has case managers. So if someone were to fill out their online form or to call them, they get a case manager assigned to them. So they have a person that is going to be finding out, you know, what their needs are, what they're needing help with, how to navigate all these resources and get the correct resources that this person needs for that person because everybody is different. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's not a one-time thing. You know, it's not a you call in and you get help or you send in this. They actually stay with you. They follow up with you. They make sure that the systems that they're putting in your hands is actually what worked for you. And if it doesn't, they have other resources out there to help you. Um They are, yeah, they have become a support system for these veterans, and they're giving them hope, and that's what we all need to be doing. Um, And it's uh, it's for active military, and there's no CO involvement. Um, They're for the veterans. There's no police involvement, which with you working around those types of people already, you know, that is a huge concern whenever you go out and you talk with the community. Um, You know, someone has a thought of suicide. Someone has, you know, hopelessness. Giving them hope is what we all need to be doing. But a lot of times that comes with, them, you know, there's other resources out there that the first thing they do is they call the police. So there's police involvement and nobody wants to have their children taken away. Nobody wants to have, you know, be taken out of their home. This way they can solve those issues and they can get those problems taken care of without all of that. Um, And that concern doesn't, you know, that doesn't become a concern. Um, 
So having these case managers that work with them, you know, one-on-one -on -one, um, to every person that reaches out, no matter how small, no matter how big. See, that's awesome. That's amazing. Because that's, like you said, that is one of the things that I've heard from people many times is their biggest worry is if they reach out, if someone calls the authorities and the authorities get involved, now all of a sudden, I mean, not to sound bad, it's documented. Right. And right. you never know how that documentation is going to affect later. You know, I've, you know, I've known people that have had issues with because, you know, in a child custody case, because it's documented at one point that the police had to come for a wellness check and they were, you know, whatever, then it, it goes, it's a negative for them in a, in a child support case or, you know, a child custody case or even later in court stuff. It's like, it's documented. And we've all had that fear of this is going to go on your permanent record since we were kids that it's hard to, you know, if you know that there's going to be something that, Hey, this isn't going to be, I mean, it's not going to be documented by the police or anything like that. We're just trying to help you. We want to, help you not, you know, do anything but that. So Right. That's right. That's awesome. And it is. It he had done Dustin had done a lot of research on a lot of different programs out there. Um and this was just the one that he felt was the less complicated and that was actually doing the most. Um, yeah. You know, it's a just a clear, simple, easy way to get started with them. Um, and really, those case managers are the ones that are kind of doing all the work. Um, and they are doing so much. They're changing people's lives. Um, Another thing is, you know, the veterans, they're at a 50% higher risk of suicide uh, than their peers that have not served. Yeah. And that's pretty scary. And uh, Stop Soldier Suicide, their goal is just within the next few years uh, with the everything that they've implemented and that they have in place with these resources, they at least want the veterans rate to be equal to a, a regular citizen, a civilian. Yeah. Um, so they were wanting to get those numbers down. Right now, I'm sure you've heard the latest numbers that came out, you know, the numbers are rising. Um, so the, you know, the 22 a day is actually, the number's actually bigger than that. Um, yeah. But hopefully, hopefully um, this organization will have the ability to continue to grow, um, which they are, and, um, and we're just trying to help, help with that. Which is awesome. And it's one of those, they're, they're one of many, I mean, that sounds like one of the ones that's bigger and is actually working on a, a better, higher level than some others. I know we deal with one over here in Washington, uh, us BeastNet, called uh, Pennies for Quarters, who they're working on trying to build a small, a tiny house village in one of our small towns that's specifically for veterans that are homeless. 
and it would come with, you know, there'd be a mental health professional on site in the village and all sorts of stuff to try and get these guys, give these guys hope and a purpose again. Because a lot of these guys that are homeless, you can't get a job if you don't have an address. Um, you can't, there's certain things you can't do without an address. And so if you can give them that tiny house of that village and a house that they can call home with a mess hall that they can go to and eat with everybody else and be part of a community again and have that family feeling like you get in the military and that's kind of, and the guy that's Matthew Rainwater is a, he's ex-military, retired military and works, I believe for Homeland now. And he is working on. He's the main person behind Pennies for Quarters that's working on that here. And I mean, it's just, and that's where it's going to come from is like you said, it's going to come from helping them with the mental illness side and all of that. And that's where I think a lot of this has fallen apart is they haven't had that help. You know, people right. keep talking it's about PTSD stigma. and right. yeah, it's a stigma. You don't want to know about it. Um, you see it a lot on TV shows now. Some of the, like my wife likes watching SEAL team and they've really been pushing that and talking about the traumatic ba- brain injuries that a lot of military people suffer um, that is not diagnosed and they have problems, you know, getting that dealt with. And, you know, they talk about the suicide that way because they're not getting the care you know, and a lot of times mental health, people just try to throw pills at it. They don't try and fix it. They're like, here, take these antidepressants. Here, take this. And they're not really digging down into why is this person having problems and what would work besides just throwing more medication at it. So that's, it sounds like that's what, you know, that organization that you're talking about is trying to do is to help people get beyond the hair, just take more medicine. So, right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. They, um, there's so many resources that are out there that just aren't getting utilized properly because it is hard to navigate, you know, through the maze of the paperwork. Uh, So this way, this allows them to be able to get those resources, um, you know, just to be able to give them hope again. And that's really what it comes down to in a lot of cases is hope. You give them hope, right. and a lot of these guys, you know, you. it's hard to know what's going on through someone's mind, you know, and why they don't have hope. But if you can find a way to give them that hope back, it'll change a person. I've seen people go from, you know, down, you know, thinking of, you know, suicide and stuff like that or even attempting it, and all of a sudden you give them hope, and it changes them completely, you know. So. Everybody has to have a purpose. Um, Everybody needs a purpose. We all do. And Mm -hmm. uh, Dustin Dustin needed a purpose. So Dustin going on this world run is his purpose. And then he just wants other veterans to have the hope to help them find their purpose. He – Yeah. When I say sometimes I wake up and I have a hundred messages, <laughs> that's not an exaggeration. Um, and Dustin does as well. And so, you know, we're trying to get the information out there uh, to where maybe somebody could skip us and get the information that they need faster. Uh, and that's where. Stop soldier suicide is coming into play with that. 
Um, it's nice. so nice for us because that first month he was out on his journey, I didn't have the information for Stop Soldier Suicide because we didn't know about it uh, to be able to give that resource out. And uh, it's very catchy. You know, the name is very catchy. It's very easy to remember mm-hmm. um, to be able to give that resource out. And to know that they're, like I was saying earlier, they help the active military and their families and veterans and their families. And I don't think there's another one out there that actually helps the family members as well. Um if you are going through, you know, this PTSD with, you know, your boyfriend, your husband, your father, a lot of times you're going to end up needing, you know, some help as well. So at least that yeah. resource is out there. Yeah, um, which is good because there is a lot of people don't think about, you know, how hard it can be for the kids or the spouse or, right. you know, even sometimes the parents to deal with their child or their husband or their dad or their boyfriend, their girlfriend being gone and in these dangerous situations, it can give them, you know, issues and put them down that spiral too. So it is good to have, you know, resources for the family to help. My, my son that left for the Navy is not the son that came home. Um, So I'm a lucky one that I, still have him. Um, his his suicide attempt uh, was a failure, and I just believe God had this mission for him, and that's why he's still here. Um, yeah. Technically, what he did, shouldn't he shouldn't be. Uh, and so, anyway. Well, I'm glad he is. I am too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Definitely glad he is. And it's like you said, you know, you, you put it out really very well there that the person who leaves usually is not the person who comes back. Um, right. You know, the military and the things that people see over there and the things they have to deal with and all that changes them. And then also someone who has made an attempt on their life that that changes them as well. I mean, for you to go that dark, far into the darkness to make that attempt, you know, it's, it's something's changed in you. So, I mean, I'm glad that he, he came out of the darkness, you know, and is working on it and helping other people find their way out. So, yeah, yeah. he's found the light. So that's kind of awesome. how he put the being in the dark and finding the light. And uh, he's just trying to help everybody else find the light. And that's awesome. I mean, it's it's a tough thing to do. I mean, I'm one. Um, I, I've struggled with depression most of my life. Um, today is actually the one year uh, anniversary of my daughter's brother uh, falling victim to to suicide. So it's yeah. it's been a big thing in in my life that I've always I have a the suicide prevention awareness ribbon is tattooed on my arm. I mean, it's a huge thing for me that I'm very into. I, I very, this is a personal thing for me. So hearing oh, what absolutely. he's doing is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, well, it's amazing. And uh, I definitely want to make sure we have, oh, I was going to say, I want to make sure we have all the, the resources that you've talked about so we can put them on the the webpage, our webpage and our Facebook to help people get there as well. So, 
That's super. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. A big thing for us is his Facebook group. Uh, we've been trying to get uh, a few sponsors, a few, you know, money to help uh, with the journey. And um, mm -hmm. the social media platform is not large enough yet. So what we're trying to do is get the word out there to try to help build his social media. Uh, so maybe some of these sponsors and some of these things will take another look at him because uh, he's not okay. fully sponsored at this point. So thank oh, yeah, you, and I will, Mike, for having us. I will, oh, yeah, definitely. And I, like I said, I will push push out, you know, his Facebook page, all that stuff to all my listeners. And, I mean, it's, like I said, this is a personal thing for me as well. I mean, it's something that I've had, you know, people in my life that have fallen victim to suicide, and it's something that I've battled with in my personal life. So, I mean, it's it's amazing to hear what Dustin is doing, and I can't wait. When when About when do you think he's going to finish his, his journey? Um, the goal is 600 days, so not this December, but next December. Uh, and is he going to finish in? Find, oh, go ahead. If he's able to find a crew, he's still looking for a crew member, like somebody. It doesn't have to be for the whole entire journey, but just having that vehicle there, having that something mm -hmm. there to where the cart having a flat doesn't slow him down because he's already had a flat in Portugal even. Um, just yeah. little things like that. Uh, that crew member really helps speed up that process. And uh, plus he would love to have the companionship, having somebody to talk to. Yeah, I think to that would and, be it too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but the goal is 600 days, and so he's hoping to be home by – Christmas 2020, if not sooner. So not this Christmas, nice. but next Christmas. So he's and then his journey's going to finish. Going to finish in Missouri. In Missouri, yes. Um, he has to start and finish in the same place. Uh, he has mm -hmm. to always be moving to the east. Uh, there is times he has been moved to the west, but those miles do not count. Uh, so there's no telling how many miles this will actually end up being, uh, but he can only count, you know, the 16,300. Wow. That's Everything amazing. So where is he going to go once he comes back to, because obviously he's going to come back to the States and then run through, or the North American continent and run this east to, to Missouri. Where is he going to start off? Uh, Once he comes first, back to here. So he's going to finish his tour through the route through Europe. Uh, so he'll end it in Turkey. And then he'll <clears> drop down, and he's going to run all the way across Argentina. Uh, he'll land in okay. Perth and go all the way to Sydney. Uh, and then he'll run New Zealand. And then he'll come back to the West Coast. Um, originally, he was going to come back to Alaska, but just within the last week, we found out that he can't. He's not allowed on uh, the roads there. Um, so he'll be coming in somewhere on the West Coast. Um, that hasn't totally been decided yet, you know, like 
Oregon, uh, California, it hasn't totally been decided yet. Uh, so that part of his route isn't set. It's also going to depend upon how many miles he still needs. So he may have to mm. do like a few W's, you know, going across. Yeah. Um, going across the state. Like a Route 66 thing would kind of be cool. Um, when he was cool. in the Navy. Yeah, when he was in the Navy, he was stationed at Point Magoo uh, mm-hmm. in California, which is like a hour north of L.A. And I think, you know, part of him would like to go see, you know, the guys. Um, but, yeah. you know, just not sure yet. He He hasn't fully decided. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I will say this: we're out of Seattle, so if he ever needs, you know, comes through the the Washington or Seattle area, you know, let us know, and we'll. I know quite a few people in this area would love to help him out, and you know, in whatever way possible. So, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you just you don't know how much it means to him. Like whenever someone just brings him, you know, like a ice cold water. You know, whenever he was going yeah. through Georgia and Alabama, it was so hot. Um, just having that fresh, hot water, our cold water was amazing. Um, at yeah. one point, no, somebody had reached out and was like, you know, what's his favorite food? And it was broccoli cheddar soup. Well, this lady made him some broccoli cheddar soup. Um, oh, so, wow. yeah, yeah, just, there's there's so many good people left in the world. We just don't hear yeah, about them as much. No, unfortunately, we don't. But I mean, that's like I said. If he, if you come through Seattle or come through Washington, even anywhere on the West Coast, you know, let us yeah. know where you're coming through, and we have friends, you know, that pretty much span the entire West Coast. And any help he needs, you know, ride from the airport, you know, place to stay for a night or two, we can find him one on the on the West Coast and help him out. So this is an amazing, well, awesome. you know. That sounds great. Yeah. He, um, just his Facebook page, uh, it's Dustin Johnson's World Record Run. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's where you're probably going to find, like, the most updated information, you know, as he, you know, steps, he has his Europe um, route posted on there now. You know, once mm-hmm. he gets closer to Turkey, you know, then he'll be looking at his Australia route. Um, it should be pretty easy, though, because he's just going to go from Perth to Sydney, and it's just like one yeah. highway. Um, New Zealand, it'll probably take him less than a month to do New Zealand, and then he'll be headed back to the States. So, um, you know, again, we'll know what mileage he needs uh, once he gets back to the state. And we'll yeah. he'll know where he needs to fly into. Yeah, that's amazing. Like I said, any help you need, let us know. Um, well, we thank you for. That. Oh, yeah. And thank you for talking to me. Like I said, this is an amazing, amazing thing he's doing, and it's a very personal thing for me. Um, yeah, I'll make sure that all of the links to everything we've talked about, you know, Dustin's journey, um, stop soldier suicide, all of those things are on our Facebook page, um, and everything else so that people can find them and, uh, go to these, 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 you know, help out with these amazing things. So, um, yeah, that sounds perfect. 
Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, right. We're, we're running, well, thank you, Mike. hitting that hour mark. It's, so. Yes. Oh. Well, it's an honor uh, to be on your show. And of course, you know, it being Veterans Day, uh, it's yeah. even more so. Uh, we have to do more for our veterans. Um, and this yes, is just do. one way to, one, one thing that we can do to help them. Yeah. Yep, and I I agree with you completely, and yeah, I will like I said post everything so that people can find okay. ways to help these guys. So it's amazing. So right. thank you for everything that you're doing and everything Dustin's doing. Um, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Maybe we'll uh, have you back on when he's he's back in the states and coming towards the end. So uh, I would like to Absolutely. help try and make it so so that his homecoming is a lot more uh a lot more <laughs> people than off. his his outgoing and then send off so yep. i would love to yep. help you do that so um thank you again and i hope to talk right. to you again soon all right thank you bye bye thanks for listening to the beastnet podcast if you haven't done it yet find us on facebook like and share the podcast give us a review on itunes or spotify all these things will help to expand the show in the future This show is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you like to hear. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at beastocr.com.